First, I want to start off with talking about a little bit about Hebrews chapter 11. Most of us have heard it referred to as the chapter of faith. And it's because some of the heroes of faith are listed there. And when we read through that chapter, we'll note two, one, one very important thing. There are only two women that are named in the heroes of faith. One of them, of course, is Abraham's wife, Sarah. She had faith that God would do what he said he would do. The other comes from our Haftarah portion this week in Joshua chapter 2. And we read that she was a prostitute. She's actually mentioned twice in uh, the Brit Hadashah, and that's Rahab. A very unlikely person to be chosen as a hero of faith. But Hebrews chapter 11.31 says that by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she welcomed the spies with shalom, with peace. And James chapter 2, verse 25, the other place she's mentioned, says, And likewise wasn't Rahab the prostitute also proved righteous by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out another way? So if we contrast those two verses, we can see there's a pretty good reason why she's... uh, Named in the chapters of faith. Uh, because, yes, she was a prostitute, but she actually was proved righteous by the, what she did. Now, Scripture doesn't give us a lot of background about Rahab's life. It's pretty much limited to Joshua chapter 2. And even then, it doesn't say a whole lot about her. But it seems like she is not what we would consider the typical heroine. The one to come and save the day. But our first introduction is that, again, she was a prostitute. And so, would you have picked a prostitute to do what you want accomplished and then recognize her as being righteous and faithful? We probably wouldn't do that. (laughs) We're not God. But she was someone that was held very high in regard. Our story tells us about these two spies and the prostitute Rahab. Two things stick out in this story at least. One is God can use anyone who makes themselves available for him to use. The second is God can save and use for his purpose anyone, including a prostitute. So when Joshua chapter 2 opens up, we see that the nation of Israel, who are now under Joshua's leadership, because Moses is gone, they're ready to enter into the promised land. And it's the land they've been waiting to enter into and occupy and take charge of and 40 years in the making. They're just a few miles away now. They're just across the Jordan from Jericho. They're right there. They're on the doorstep. First thing I mentioned, God can use anyone who makes themselves available for him to use. Even, Even seemingly ordinary and oftentimes what we might consider to be unlikely people. 
<laughs> the Blues Brothers. Yes. Joshua chapter 2 opens up, verse 1 says, Then Joshua the son of Nun secretly sent out two spies from Shittim, saying, Go explore the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. The king of Jericho was told some men from Bnei Israel have just come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab saying, bring out the men who came to you, who entered your house, for they have come to spy out the land. But the woman took the two men and hid them and said, yes, the men did come to me, but I didn't know where they were from. So when it was time to shut the gate at dark, the men went out. And I don't know where they went. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the flax of the stalks of flax that she had spread out on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the fords of the Jordan. As soon as the pursuers had gone out, they shut the gate. It's interesting. When my brother and I were growing up, uh, my brother came to faith when he was 17 years old. He came to faith at a church of Christ in San Diego. My brother was that guy that would beat you over the head with the word. There were times when my dad would ask my brother to tell a little white lie, and he would refuse, saying that's against God's will, to even tell a white lie. But what did Rahab just do? It seems seems that she did tell a little bit more than a white lie. Matter of fact, she sent this raiding party to go track these men down, and they're not gone. We can see that in the story. But I believe, I strongly believe, sometimes God has people say some say things for His purpose that may look like it's an out-and-out lie. Well, to us, it does look like that's all it is. It's an out-and-out lie. But it protected those two spies that Joshua had sent out. So he sends out these two spies, Joshua did, to, you know the word I like to use, reconnoiter the land. And so they entered the city of Jericho, and they went into Rahab's home. So one question that comes to my mind is, Who were these two men? Because remember last week we talked about what was read this morning. There were actually 12 spies named by name from each of the tribes that went out to spy out the land of Canaan. But the question is, who are these two? We don't know. Because what we just read, they were not named. Could they have been Two of the same spies? Who knows? But guess what? Of those three people involved in our story, only one was really important. And that was Rahab. But we do know he sent out two. This reminds us today that we should always be constantly aware that God sometimes works that way. He uses ordinary and unlikely people. Ordinary, the two spies. Unlikely, the prostitute. But besides those two scouts, he used Rahab. 
there's at least three things, and you could probably find more. I'm only going to bring out three that we know about Rahab that can be considered negatives. First of all, she was not an Israelite. She was a Canaanite. Wait a minute. They were supposed to overthrow the Canaanites, so she's definitely not a friend. Because we see in other places in Scripture, the Canaanites were a wicked people. They were so wicked and so evil that God used Israel to bring judgment against them. In addition to that, the one of the worst faults they had were they were idol worshipers. Second thing that she had going against her was she was a woman. During those days, women were sometimes treated as less important people than men. As a matter of fact, in some cases, they were treated like property. And despite all that, God worked through her. Third thing was the obvious thing that she had going against her. She was a prostitute. That lets us know that God sees potential in every single person, no matter what their past holds, because he sees her future just like he sees our future, each and every one of us. And even though Rahab had all these things going against her, she had one redeeming factor in her favor. It's one that all of us should share with her. That is faith. She had faith and she believed in God. Incidentally, a God she did not personally know at this point in time. But she had faith. The other point was God can save and use for his purpose anyone, including a prostitute. So along with those three negative factors that were in Rahab's life, she also possessed at least five positive qualities. First of all, she was open to the truth. Beginning at verse 8 in Joshua chapter 2, it says, Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof, And she said to the men, I know that Adonai has given you the land. Dread of you has fallen on us, and all the inhabitants of the land are melting in fear before you. For we have heard how Adonai dried up the water of the Sea of Reeds before you, and when you came out of Egypt, and did what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard about it, our hearts melted. And no spirit remained any more in anyone because of you. For Adonai, your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. So Rahab's already letting us know that she did trust in the God of heaven, the God of Israel. She recognized that he is in charge. She heard about Israel, but most importantly, she heard about the God of Israel. You know, you can hear about people. But when you hear where those people are coming from and who's leading them, meaning God, not Joshua, not Moses, but God, you begin to understand that there's a more, someone more powerful in charge. But what exactly could have caused her, again, a Canaanite woman who was a prostitute, to believe in God? Well, maybe it was fear. Maybe she was not satisfied with how her life was going. 
Maybe she was actually someone who's secretly seeking spiritual truth. Because she sure found it really quick, according to our story. The second positive is that Rahab had the courage to make a difficult decision. Moving on, Joshua 12 of 2 verse 12 says, So now, please swear to me by Adonai, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with me and my father's house. Give me a true sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all who belong to them, and save our lives from death. She's not asking a whole lot, is she? But she was not being selfish either. She didn't stop with herself. She went on to her entire family. The men said to her, our lives are for our life for yours. If you don't report this business of ours, then it will be when Adonai gives us the land that we will deal kindly and loyally with you. So she lowered them down by a rope through the window from her house, for her house was in the wall. She was living in the wall. Then she said to them, go to the hill country, lest the pursuers meet you and hide yourselves there for three days until the pursuers return. Afterward, you may go your way. See, it's important to understand, when the gate was closed, they weren't getting back in that night. They were going to have to stay outside the walls until the gate opened in the morning. But in this case, Rahab was letting them know, they're going to keep going, looking for you for at least a couple days. They're not going to come back for three days, so go hide until then. So initially, she didn't really have a lot of time to think about what she was about to do. She had to make a decision right then. Anybody that has come to faith in Messiah Yeshua knows that when that time came, when the Holy Spirit spoke to you in your heart, it was that very moment that you accepted Yeshua. You were already convinced by that point. There wasn't a, well, let me go out and you know, take a vote of my friends and my family, my neighbors, to see if they think I should come to faith in Yeshua. No, we all made an instant decision. Number three of positive attributes is she had a willingness to become part of a new family. She was leaving her Canaanite background to become joined with the Israelites. In chapter 2, verse 17, the men said to her, We will be released from this oath that you have made us swear unless when we come to the land you tie this line of scarlet thread in the window through which you lowered us down and gather to yourself in the house your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Whoever goes out from the the doors of your house into the street, his blood will be on his head and we will be innocent. But whoever is with you in the house His blood will be on our head if any hand is laid on him. But if you divulge this business of ours, then we will be released from your oath that you you have made us swear. So she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and after they had gone, she tied the scarlet cord to the window. Why did they have her tie the scarlet cord to the window? Because they needed to see it. And that's what brings me back to the other sermon that I was working on and the comment I made here in the bulletin. It has to do with a part from the Torah portion which talks about the tzitzit, 
that command to wear the tzitzit, as it says here, is not about a person being seen wearing them. It's not supposed to be you looking and seeing me wear tzitzit. That's not the purpose. It's just the opposite. It's so that the person wearing them can see them. So then, rather than the tendency to turn a blind eye, it reminds us who are wearing them to keep our eyes open to the things that are happening around us and to remember. Remember what? These are to remind us of God's commandments, all his mitzvot. That's what they're there for. They're a sign. The scarlet thread was a sign to the conquering Israelites as they came in, don't touch that home. They had to see it. If she didn't put it out there, guess what? All bets are off. Do you think she understood the significance of doing that? I don't think she knew the significance at that mo- that time when they told her to do it. I think later she understood why. But I don't think she really knew the significance. Why am I putting this? But I, they said, do it. I'm going to do it. But we should understand that sometimes God asks us to do something that we don't immediately understand. To Rahab, the scarlet thread became an outward sign of what God was going to do for her. Do you think I understood why I went from one servant to another and back again? No. But he had a reason. So we should also understand that Rahab's faith was not in that thread. My faith, my understanding of Scripture is not in these tzitzit. They're in God's Word, what He said to do. This is only to remind me what He said. The fourth thing of, that was positive in, in this story is that Rahab had concern for her family. Again, she wasn't being selfish. She didn't say, protect me. She said, protect my family. Again, verses 12 and 13 say, Swear to me by Adonai, since I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house. Give me a true sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all who belong to them and save our lives from death. She was willing to persuade her own family to trust in her newfound God. Because at this point, they didn't know who God was. We don't see any indication they did. The only one in that household that knew was Rahab. So she had to be willing to speak to her family concerning the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, that's an example for us. Our loved ones need to know what we believe. Parents need to teach their children and grandchildren about Yeshua. They won't know except they're told. So for Rahab's family to be saved, for our families to be saved, someone has to open their mouth and speak. And that's what we should be doing. So Rahab set this very powerful example of caring for her family. Fifth thing was that Rahab had a lasting and preserving faith, I want to call it. Jumping ahead to Joshua 6, beginning at verse 22, it says, Then Joshua said to the two men, again, still not naming them, 
who had spied out the land, go into the harlot's house and bring the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her relatives, and all who belonged to her. All her relatives they brought out and put, and put them outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the city with fire and all that was in it. Only the silver, the gold, and the vessels of bronze and iron did they put into the treasury of the house of Adonai. But Rahab, the harlot, her father's household, and all who belonged to her, Joshua spared. She has lived in the midst of Israel to this day because she hid the scouts whom Joshua sent out to spy out Jericho. Obviously, at this point, Rahab had already spoken to her family. Or they wouldn't have been in that house. And they wouldn't have gone out with the rest of the family. They would have been destroyed in the city when it was burned. But they heard Rahab's words of deliverance. And they reacted. They acted and they lived. Just like many of us heard someone from our family or our friends. And we followed after what we heard them say. Same as with our children and our grandchildren. If we tell them that they will be saved when they believe in Yeshua and give their lives to him, they can make the same decision we did and turn away from their wicked ways and be brought to deliverance just like Rahab's family was. But she had to follow through on her newfound faith. We have to follow through on our faith. We have to follow through on doing what we're supposed to do, being witnesses of the kingdom of God, being witnesses of who Yeshua is, and telling people, starting with our own families. Rahab would not continue to be a prostitute. She was now a part of the people of God. She was part of the community. She became a believer in the true and living God. And equally as important, she was no longer an idolater. She was worshiping God and not idols. Well, what else do we know about Rahab? We read earlier, Hebrews and James tell us that she was a woman of faith. We read with, but we also read within the genealogy of Yeshua in Matthew chapter 1. I'm only going to read the Verses 5 and 6, don't panic. I'm not doing the whole 17-verse genealogy covering all the generations. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David the king. And we know that it, so that we know because of that, in the end, Not only is she named in the generation of Yeshua, the genealogy rather, she was the great-grandmother of King David, and therefore she was in the line of Messiah. All because of one act of faith. She could have screamed out her window, the spies are here, the spies are here. But she didn't. She had already heard they were coming. She had already heard what God was planning to do in their city. And she made a decision to act on God's behalf and do the right thing. If only the whole city 
had acted that way. If only the king had acted that way. The city could have been spared, maybe. We don't know. Because it didn't happen that way. And sometimes because God is God, there was a reason in his mind why that city was going to be destroyed anyway. Because he was starting fresh. He was bringing them in to take the land that he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The land that is still his promised land. It is still promised to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to this day. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we do thank and bless you because if it weren't for you, we would be nowhere. We would be lost. We would be searching for the right way. But you've shown us the right way. You've shown us the path you want us to walk in. And this example of Rahab, Lord, a very unsuspecting person, someone that we would have never picked out of everyone in Scripture (laughs) to help deliver your people. But you do use ordinary people. You do use unlikely people. Use us. Some of the most unlikely people in our own minds. But we, we don't choose who you're going to use. That's what you do. You choose us all for a purpose. We pray that we would have that, even that little measure of faith that Yeshua talked about, like the mustard seed. Because we know from what Yeshua said about that mustard seed, it grows into a huge tree. So give us that mustard seed and help nurture it in us that we will grow in the faith that you called us to walk in, in the lives that you called us to be in. Give us that mustard seed of faith to speak to others that we come in contact with, especially our families. And let them know that deliverance will only come through you. And that it's because of you that we are walking the way we are. The way we, we are talking the way we are. We believe the way we do. And I pray that that would be the example that they follow. That they would look at us and they would see. But Abba, I pray that we would always do the right thing. Because they would see us when we do the wrong thing as well. And we don't want to be in, in that picture, Lord, that turns people away from you. We want to draw them to you. We want to show them the example of a life lived for Yeshua. That they can see that there is something there for them. That it's not just a passing fad, but it's a life, a lifestyle, and it's newness of life. Thank you, Lord, for this Shabbat. Thank you for this upcoming week as we celebrate the independence of this country that we live in. And we pray that you would continue to be with us, that you would speak through us, through our words and our actions to everyone that we come into contact with, even those that are far off, just looking and just observing and spying us out. I pray that we would show your favor so that they can turn to you. I lift up the 
enemies of our country. I lift up the enemies of Israel. And I pray that you would touch them. Show them your grace. Turn them from their wicked ways. And bring them alongside us into your kingdom. A kingdom of righteousness. A kingdom of joy. Thank you, Lord. In Yeshua's name.